set us up this morning. The Holy Spirit is pleased with the atmosphere. Just before I came to church, this is not my message, but the Lord said, I want you to tell the people that, and I want you to do this, not just tell the people, but I want to bless their family. I want to bless their family. You notice that life and earth had been operating for, for hundreds of years. And then in Genesis chapter 12, God breaks into the scene. And he says, I want to bless your family. And so imagine, life has been functioning. Routine has been going on. Babies have been being born. Government has been functioning. Life had been going on normal. And God steps in and says, I want to bless your families. So he's saying, I want to take it past the norm. I want to take it past, you know, just the routine and what just happens because of creation. I want to get involved in your life. And so God so wanted to bless our families that he sent Jesus Christ. And the work that he did and the heart that he demonstrated just to bless your family. Would you, Holy Spirit, help us to sink in that God wants to bless your, your family. He doesn't, it's more than just the average. You know, there was a day when when Israel was in the Egypt and the plagues were happening and Israel was suffering right along with the plagues. They were God's covenant people. And then God said, you know what? I'm going to make a distinction between my people and those that have not yet believed. Not because he was against them, but so that they could see the benefit and the wonders of, you know, of having Jehovah God as their God. And so then the distinction began to be manifested in the land. There are times when God does that. It's always his plan, but times when he goes ahead and says, I remember. You remember Noah? Noah was in the ark and he was having a great time of safety. But there came a time when that safety ship needed to be released from their life and they needed to get on with God's plan for life. And God remembered them. Not He hadn't forgotten them, but a time came. And so this morning, church, it says that... that in you to Abraham and of course we know he's referring to Jesus Christ shall all the families of the earth be blessed so God is interested in every family yes. 
Every family. He wants to get the blessing to your house. And that's been my heart's cry in my prayer. Is that the blessing will get to your house. To your house. The kind of blessing that you've been praying for. The kind of blessing that you need. The kind of blessing that will say, He is God. He is Lord. Amen? I mean, you know what I mean? You can't... It, it's not just a, a, a something that we religiously do and we hang it on. But it just flows out. I was going to pray this morning. The covenant promise will get to your house. And that covers every area of life. Amen. Father, this morning, we know that the work is already finished. We know the will of you has already been declared. Now we're asking this morning for the arrival of the blessing to each family. Bless each family. Bless each family. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, where the family has been experiencing lack of wholeness, where there has been, God, the happenings that have created lack of proper function. I speak to those this morning that there will be a rearrangement and there will be releases of the divine design of God that will happen in the natural, the spiritual, the emotional, the development. God to the wayward restore the families to wholeness to the blessing that Jesus came to bless the families of the earth with let this be God an hour of distinction to the testimony of the true and the living God. Let the nations see the benefit, the reward, and the reality of serving the true and the living God. And we ask it this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And everybody said amen and give the Lord a praise today. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. You may be seated. What that blessing might mean to your household may be different than what it means to somebody else's household. But I believe that God is a God that tailors the blessing. If you ask for a fish, what did he say? I'm not going to give you a serpent. In other words, you know what it is. You need a fish? God says, I'm going to give you a fish. You need bread? I'm going to give you bread. Let's modernize it. You need finances? God says, I'm going to give you finances. You need healing? I'm going to give you healing. Hell? And it just spreads across the whole spectrum of whatever it is in your fields that's necessary for your field to bring forth its potential, God says, I'm on board with you. I'm on board with you because I'm interested in you and your family. Amen? Praise God, all right? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come into your house. Not that it's not already there, but more. You understand that everything was working good, but there was a covenant blessing that he said that I want to get to you that was lost when sin entered the world and I'm paving the way. Last week, I told you that God put in my heart that we need to encourage, we need to strengthen, and we need to increase in faith. Faith is vital, as you well know. And so last week, we talked about how faith comes in cans. It comes in cans. God can do anything and everything. Jesus Christ can and will give you all that you need. And relationship to yourself that you can and personalize it that I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And so we need to drink from those three cans in relationship to our faith, because faith is, you know, is, is something that can be living or it can be dead. And... We want living faith, and we want great faith. So today, I want to talk to us this morning about faith and hope and build your faith. I believe that the greatest robbery of the century is the robbery of faith. The robbery of faith. But we are going to fight the good fight of faith. 
We're going to, as Jude says, contend for the faith. It was once delivered unto the saints of old. In other words, it says if you were giving something and you were responsible for it, and it's of, it's a, it's of value if, you know, someone comes and tries to steal it or deface it, to do something to t- take it away or to give it less value, he says, you need to rise up. You need to become a fighter with regard to faith. Faith not only as it, you know, pertains to you, but faith as it pertains to your family. Faith as it pertains to the next generation. You see, faith is the one thing that can be spiritually passed on. For Paul said, Timothy, I notice your faith is the same faith that was in your grandmother. Oh, come on, church. See, this is a family thing. Grandmas? Mothers? And dads? It is interesting how that a lot of times families look a lot alike in their faith. Come on, church. Somebody say good preaching. I mean, that just, woo! Your faith looks a lot like your mom and your dad. And so we want the next generation and our sons and our daughters, and not only, you know what I mean, those that are after our own flesh, but those that are after the Spirit. We have the, not only the responsibility, but the great potential and the opportunity so that the next generation, faith has went from just mediocre to Awesome. We want to make sure that they're getting it. Isn't it amazing that the children of Israel, about three million strong, and they sent up 12 leaders to go ahead and view out their tomorrows. And 12 of them couldn't pass their faith along. Because it wasn't strong enough in them. And only two of them could stand and pass their faith along. And if you follow up on their own personal families and genealogy, and then also how it affected, you know, the next generation, it was fantastic. Because the next generation, because of two people, Joshua and Caleb, because they went ahead and fought for the faith. Produce a generation that went ahead and says, we're able to go ahead and take this land. Mm-hmm. Forty years in delay, but praise God, nevertheless. Well, that's why faith is so vital. 
life can seem disappointing at times. Even the greatest, the greatest lives have had their share of loss and in heartbreak. But God is a restorer. He's a restorer of losses. He's a restorer, you know what I mean, of hearts that have, have been broken. And one of my favorite scriptures happens to be Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope, whoo, hallelujah. He's referred to as the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you. With all joy and peace in believing that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, your whole life and outlook may be radiant with hope. That's a little different translation there, but it says the same thing. That how you look at life will be radiant with hope. He says, that's the kind of hope that God wants to have in us and our hope to rise to that, that level. It is a truth, it is a fact that sometimes we need a hope transfusion. The issues of life. You can lose hope in life. You can lose hope in God. And you can even lose hope in yourself. The fact of losing hope in God just seems to follow suit in those others. How do you know if you've lost hope? Well, because despair sets in. And all of a sudden you'll notice that your life is cynical. You're spiraling down. Depression seems to abide and be at the threshold of your door. Helplessness rather than getting up and facing the day. Because hope is essential to faith and faith is essential to hope. And that hope is the lifeblood of our spiritual survival. It is of our life, and also of our love. 1 Corinthians 13 and 13 says, that now abideth faith, hope, and love. And at the top, of course, is love. But these are essential to life. Proverbs 13 and 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. It is only hope that can pull you out of the deep trenches of pain, of hurt, and disappointment of life. The power of hope. There's a commonality between faith and fear. Both of them ask you to believe in something that has not happened yet. Faith asks you to believe in something that hasn't happened yet. In fear, entices you to go ahead and buy into something that hasn't taken place. One is tormenting. You know, one is 
life giving. So sometimes we're living on the outskirts of hope. Life has, you know, has put you there by virtue of the extremities of it and the lack of drinking from the right cans. You need hope because it stimulates your faith so that it can become great faith. How many know when you're not believing? Let's just be honest. Let's just be open. You know what I mean? Sure you do. You know, you haven't thrown off your salvation. There's, there's things you still believe, but, you know, you just know that you really don't have faith for it, and so you need an injection of hope and faith in a given area. You can have faith, and it works in one area, and you can come up against another area, and your faith hasn't reached the level that it can work in. It is not a denial. It just means that we need to go, excuse me, need to go ahead and increase our faith. Because when you get hope, it gives you the courage where your eyes begin to open up and you can see in your crisis. Without hope, you don't be able to see in your crisis. The crisis will dominate. So we don't want to just live on the outskirts of hope. We want to be filled with hope. Hope involves the will to get there, but it also does something else. It shows you the way to get there. It opens you up so you can see. It's that which inspires you. It activates your faith. For faith is a substance of things Hoped for. Hope has been defined, and you've heard it so many times, but it's defined as an essential but dynamic life force that grows out of faith in God. There's all kinds of faiths. The natural faith that works in the natural life. But there is that faith, as Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. Paul says there's a place that hope needs to be put. First Timothy chapter 1, he says, our hope needs to be in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our hope. The kind of hope that God gives us is a living hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I understand this morning. And I can tell you what faith is. And we can talk about what hope is. And how that hope is, you know, 
face hand, you know, reaching out to you in the dark. But the challenge always is, because I have been there, you have been there, is seeing that hand of hope in the dark. And that's why worship and praise, that's why fellowship with believers, that's why the Word of God you know, is such an asset to helping us see that hand in the darkness. It says in Isaiah 45 and 2, talking to Cyrus, and Cyrus is not a Christian, by the way, but Cyrus is going to be an instrument that God uses. And he says, in the case of hope, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron, and I will give you the treasures of darkness. Think about this now. How God is going to, bronze isn't that strong, but there's some things that are not too strong. But gates of iron, that's, you know, that's another level altogether. But God says, guess what? It will not stand in your way. But there is treasure in your darkness. And that's why illumination and light needs to come. It's important that we don't just keep our eyes fixed on the thickness of the fog, but on the God that has promised to control our circumstances. Now, life is not all bad. I don't want to give that viewpoint. That God's just a God of problems. No, he talks about the mountaintop. He talks about, you know, that he wants your life filled with peace. And so we need to have eyes of faith. Eyes of faith that's that's seen. The scripture talks about having a heart of faith. That's condition. It talks about having steps of faith. That's action and movement. And it talks about the walk of faith. That's the direction. All of the above has to have growth and increase. Why do I want faith? Because faith shrinks my problems. (laughs) I feel so much better when I'm having faith than when I'm not having faith. Yeah. When my wife wants to argue with me if I'm having faith, it isn't even an argument. (laughs) She's just the most beautiful, wonderful, you know, gentle, tender-hearted, you know, can't live without me woman. Well, let her catch me when I'm down. I get ugly. No. I knew you'd understand that part of it. 
It not only shrinks our problems, but faith moves God to act. I wish I could tell you that I know understand God does things in mercy and God does things in grace. But when it comes to conquering your land, moving ahead in your fields, your faith is going to be involved. Your faith. Faith unlocks the promises. And someone has done a study and said there's 7,000 of them. 7,000 promises that faith can unlock with regard to your life. And just in case you didn't know it, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, God says, I say yes to every problem, or to every promise, excuse me. <laughs> Devil says yes to every problem. God says yes to every promise. So God is saying yes to all 7,000 of them. God can't give you all 7,000 of them at a time. Because he told the children of Israel, he said, I'm going to leave some obstacles in your way. He says, because if I just give you this whole land, you will not know how to handle the land because you've got to learn how to handle the land. One step at a time. One day at a time, you will find out how to handle what I'm giving you. The land, he said, that was flowing with milk and honey. But we don't always know how to handle the milk and honey. He says, you know what will happen? You'll forget me. You need just enough heads up. Just because we're human. Not to make it difficult. But he said, you'd forget me. Yeah, everybody would. By the way, you did a fantastic job. I really enjoyed that. Brandon, you did too. I thought my son did fantastic. <laughs> I couldn't even hear my wife. No. <laughs> no. no, I'm sorry, honey. No, you, you just look beautiful. That was the thing. <laughs> She's a very good piano player. Don't get me wrong. Did I miss anybody? Oh, Jacob. You know, it's just great to see this giant of a man singing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Sarah, you know, she's just as sweet as they come. Anyway, God says yes to every promise. We've got we to pour faith into our spirit. And how do we do that? I don't necessarily know that this is in order, but next to believing follows confession. You've got to confess. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, and also I believe it is in, in Psalms. It says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, all right? This is, this is what we speak. He says, I believed, and therefore I Spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. We've got to speak. 
You see, the heart and the tongue should go together. The tongue should always be the heart's interpreter. And the heart should always be the tongue's suggester. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth should speak. I remember the Sunday school song, that, you know, input, output, what goes in must come out. Anybody remember that one? See, you're too young. <laughs> Gene remembers it. I know my wife remembers it. Okay, but, but you know, that's what Scripture teaches us. It was conveying a message to the young people, that, to, to kids. You know, it's, it's really important of what's going on, you know, what your, what your intake is. Because what your intake is, is going to be, you know, a lot like your outtake. And your outtake is going to be a lot like what your intake is. So your heart should be your tongue suggester. What is spoken with the tongue should be first stamped upon the heart. Should be first stamped upon the heart. When faced with opposition, when faced with challenges, you need to do what Psalms 116 and 10 says. I will continue to believe even though I am greatly afflicted. I am not going to quit believing. Remember Job? Job said... Though he slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. We can't just be fair-weather Christians. I hope that's not too hard for this audience. Now, I like fair weather. Fair weather in my Christian life. And I have to tell you that most of the weather I have is fair but I must continue to believe even though I am greatly affected. So we have eyes of faith because eyes of faith see the victory. Because what you seek is relative to your vision and vision is not only what you see but it is how you see. How you interpret. The two spies interpreted what they saw as bread. Think about it. Bread. Nourishment. Strength. The ten spies saw it as an enemy, a challenge too big and a challenge too great. So it's not only what you see, but how you see. The kind of vision that God wants you and I to have, that true faith will produce will consist of this 
foresight. Foresight, which is motivation. Insight, which is perception. It is, it is like a, the, the microscope that is able to give you the details. And then insight. Or, yes, insight, which is his sight. And then, of course, oversight, which is the context of everything. I don't know if that speaks to you, but it, it does to me, you know, the stages, the follow-up. Let me give you a little example of eyes of faith. There were three bricklayers laying brick. And as they're laying bricks, someone came up to them and said, uh, what are you doing? And the first bricklayer, you know, rather rudely said, well, I'm laying bricks. The second one says, I'm building a wall. And the third one said, I'm building a cathedral for God. Now you tell me who you want laying brick for you. Who's going to do the best work? The one that's just laying bricks or the one that sees the picture? The insight, foresight, the oversight. I'm building a cathedral for God. I go... Increase my faith, Lord. Because I don't want to just feel like I'm a bricklayer. I want to see this thing more than just a wall. I will build my church. Hallelujah. I believe that faith sees the church. I'm part of a big operation. A big project. So we have faith, we have sight, we have insight. But with all of that, in order for our faith to make progress... We must have goals. The difference between vision and goals is simply, goals is simply vision broken down into smaller pieces that are measurable. So you can see progress. So you can see results. Just specific parts of it goals this is this is not out of the books of you know psychologists or books written just by the world although many of them contain you know 
very godly perspectives. They weren't the first ones to write it. In fact, when I read, you know what? I don't know how you see, uh, you know, uh, some of these books or even some of these movies. I go, boy, did they read the Bible. Some of these weird movies that are, are out, you know. So they read the Bible and they're trying to portray an end time message and, you know, this weird atmosphere and weird, you know, creatures and, you know, and, 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 you know, and all this power that you can't kill anybody. I don't think they got it laying on their bed. I think that somehow they heard somebody talk about the book of Revelation someplace, and, you know? And they began to be stimulated in, a, in that because, you know, the heart of faith speaks victory. I won't even get close to being done, but I'll preach it next Sunday. I will be back next Sunday. Hearts of faith speak victory. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, should have faith in God. This is the story of lesson of the fig tree. The disciples marveled and couldn't believe they just... Overnight, the fig tree had went ahead and dried up. Verse 23 says, after they had, couldn't figure out, how does all this work? How does this work, God? I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things that he says, it will be done, and he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you believe, pray that you receive them and you will have, have them. Now, this is not, church, this is not the first rung of faith, okay? Don't get me wrong, you know what I mean? Sometimes we're trying to execute this realm in the first rung of faith. And our faith hasn't even grown there yet. Jesus says sometimes you've got to take direct authority. You have to take direct authority in the spiritual realm if you want to impact the natural realm. I only know that there's forces behind what's happening naturally. You've got to take spiritual authority in order to impact the natural realm. It's faith. I stay at it, try to at least. I still stay at it till I, I know that I know that I know that I know. Sometimes the first time I do it, it's real wimpy and I know it. But I got to start someplace. I got to start someplace. I got to build my faith. You don't, you, you, the first brick, it's hard to envision a cathedral, isn't it? Generally, it's not until it gets far enough along that all of a sudden you can envision the cathedral and then you have, your face starts to get a picture. 
Faith is that key that releases the resources of heaven into our situation. It literally releases the resources into our situation. It demonstrates a passion in prayers and faith. Jesus was a man of prayer. He was a man of passion. It's contributing to this authority that he was able to go ahead and execute. Notice that he does not say, well, I did this because I'm the son of God. No. He said, I'm teaching you how to do it. According to Jesus, if we believe and say nothing, that's not faith. If thou will believe in thy heart and what? Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. <laughs> According to this passage of Scripture, Jesus says that, you know what I mean? Just believing is not enough. You have to say something. Because remember, faith has to have a speech. He's literally saying that the obstacle, the mountain that you're facing, it needs to hear your voice. God has made the promise, but you must execute the authority. And if God wanted you to have the mountain, why would he have taught us how to remove it? Why do you get rid of something if God wants you to have it? Think about it. The devil's cunning and crafty. Sometimes you can't do it. Don't get discouraged. Go back to the drawing board. Jesus, we couldn't get it done. Why? Well, he said, let me tell you. What was missing in your life? There wasn't enough commitment to it. There wasn't enough sacrifice to it. There wasn't enough input into it. These kind only come out by prayer and fasting. What's he saying? You know what I mean? You need to know the level and the degree and what it requires for that given area. How many feel better when you come out of prayer if you got more prayer heaven in your life? Sure. Okay, church, you know, don't draw back on me. You know what I mean? We're, 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 we're building faith. We're not attacking anything. You know what I mean? Trying to build a cathedral here. 
You may be waiting for God to remove the mountain, and he's waiting for you to speak to the mountain. You've been with me long enough, know that I, you know, I'm not a, just a blab it and grab it, you know what I mean? I think that, you know, I think we have to grow to those, those points. I think, I, I believe that there's trials, there's tests, you know what I mean? There's valleys, you know, there's, there's uh, you know what I mean, time frames, all of that. Spirit of faith sees the victory. The heart of faith speaks the victory. The steps of faith, that's your part in to the future. And the walk of faith is holding God's hand. You and I were born winners. You were born winners. You competed against millions. At your inception, and you won. You were born a winner. We are predisposed to victory. That's why I meet my uh, team to come. We are predisposed to victory. Paul said in Romans, in all these things were more than conquerors. What is he saying? Is he saying that everything works out perfect? I don't think so. He's saying, you know what I mean? That my faith is not going to be decreased or lost. I am a victor. I'm a victor. I'm a conqueror. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, it says that Christ always leads us in triumph. You're going to into the battlefield, but when you come out the other side, he said you're going to triumph because of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. I think that Job's words in the midst of his loss is the true depiction of victory for the child of God. Though he slay me, I'm going to trust him. He didn't lose his confidence in God and who God was. He didn't lose his trust. He made some decisions and choices and said, you know, even if it doesn't come out my way, I'm still going to believe God. I'm not going to lose my faith. 
I'm now ready to be offered, Paul said. Look at his end. I fought a good fight, and I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown. Which is not just to me, but to to everybody. To everybody. First John 5 and 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. The greatest challenge that you're going to have is with the world. But because you were born a winner and the faith that you have, you know, because you've been born again, there is something dynamic about you. There is a God in you. There is a power in you. There is a a, a fortified, you know, Christ in you. There's an anointing of the Holy Spirit in you. That no matter what the world throws at you, you can overcome it. You make a decision. God will see to it that you overcome it because you are predisposed to victory. To victory. Every one of those verses tell us that there's a challenge but faith is up to the challenge faith in Jesus Christ is up to the challenge just like Jesus Christ was up to the challenge the faith that I the life I now live I live by the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave him self for me. You know what kind of faith God has given you? What kind of potential? It's the same faith that Jesus Christ had. Same faith. His was developed. His had grown. It says of Jesus that he grew in stature and favor. Growth is. Peter said that we could grow in grace and understanding and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we, He has been given, we have been given according to Ephesians 4 30, as His divine power, exceeding greatness of His power that worketh in us. What power? He says it's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It is life-giving power. You will have a lot of dead things in your life. But if they're necessary for your life, God says, I can raise it to life for your life. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. What are you going to do? If Jesus says to you, oh, ye of little faith, are you going to get offended? Are you going to walk out? Are you going to say, well, I beg your pardon? Did you know that's what Jesus said? 
<coughs> oh, ye of little faith. Are you going to go ahead and, as the old saying says, grab yourself by the bootstraps and say, you know what? I'm going to move from little faith to great faith. I want to make my faith better. Better. And so all of a sudden, he's say to you, I haven't found such great faith in all of Bible-centered church. You know, that's when he, he pulled somebody out of the house of Israel, and he said to him, you got more faith than anybody in all of the house of Israel. Woo! What a commending word. I want to tell you, don't go away offended if your faith has been, you know what I mean, challenged and you know and the degree of your faith has been shown that hey it's not as high as it should be faith is something that ought to mean that can grow because listen if you want a tree of faith you must first of all nurture the seed of faith Because faith is first a seed. And he said it grows. Where all of a sudden, all kinds of people are coming around wanting to hang around your tree of faith. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen, Steve. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let's go and let's magnify God. You don't have enough faith and I don't. I'll be, you know what I mean? I mean, there's people that got way more faith than I got. But I'm going to increase my faith. I'm going to believe some more. And I'm going to tell him, Lord, I want my faith greater. Hallelujah. God bless you today. Amen. Go with God. Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Bible CTR.